Hello and welcome to another edition of Open All Hours, the QPR podcast where they've put me in charge where it's going to be a complete disaster and it means everyone else is bailed out. Right, tonight I'm joined by, well, three different people and a QPR ex-player. So I've got Peter Blakesley, TV presenter, author. What else have you done, Peter? What else in your life have you done that I've forgotten about? Well, I was a Scotland Yard detective for 20 years and yeah, now I'm a author and broadcaster. Yeah, and, and by the way, very good dancing on um, Twitter, by the way. I like Yes, dancing. thank you very much indeed. Moving swiftly on, if we may. Okay. Tom Gibbs from The Telegraph. How are you, Tom? You all right, big man? Yes, thank you, Paul. Uh, you've, you've really given the podcast a, uh, a very exciting introduction. You're billing us very generously as uh, th- three different people. So uh, plenty of excitement in store by the sounds of things this evening. The thing is, Tom, I, I, I was thinking about... Do you know what I did? I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I spent all night planning the podcast because I think they're going to leave me in charge. I will not mess this up. And then a QPR fan in Barnett rang me up and said, what are you doing this afternoon? I said, oh, I'm not doing much. He goes, do you fancy coming to the pub for a couple of pounds? After that, it's all gone wrong. So basically, I blame Paul Thomas for dragging me into the pub and then trying to get me to do a podcast. And we have Sean... Miguel, Hello, mate. How, going? how are you, big man? You're right. And I believe you're based in Southampton and you're a singer-songwriter. You, yeah, you're spot on, mate. Yeah. Couldn't be more how, right. How did you end up being a QPR fan for Southampton? I know this is a bit ridiculous because I'm a QPR fan for Belfast, but I just thought I'd ask. My um my nan and granddad ran the Goldhawk on Goldhawk Road, Goldhawk Pub. You're kidding. No, oh, yeah, yeah, that was their pub. So um Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um so we, so my, well, my dad and all my uncles and auntie were were born, born in a in the bush, brought up in the bush, dragged up in the bush probably, and uh, you know once when it's in your blood, and also when you're a baby and put in a QPR, you know, like gown or whatever it, whatever they call it, baby grow, uh, you don't get much choice, do you? So I've spent 28 yeah. years, 28 years growing up in Southampton supporting QPR and getting yeah, absolutely. Grow. Yeah, in a baby grow, getting absolutely no trouble for it whatsoever. <laughs> and we also have an ex-QPR player who, I've got to say, is one of the nicest people that's been in this podcast. Welcome, Bradley Allen. How are you, big man? You okay? Always a pleasure, Finn. Great to join you. It's been a while, my friend, but uh, be good to, uh, to have a good chat about the arse tonight. It's been a really long time, actually. I, can't, I think you haven't been on for a couple of years, actually, Bradley, which is way too long. Yeah, good good to be back. Hopefully we'll have a good show and I won't spoil it tonight. No, I think that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> I think the person of QPR podcast spoiler is taken up by me. So anyway, I'm going to kick off basically. Uh, I mean, where did we go? Saturday, it was like Brazil, wasn't it? And then <laughs> followed swiftly by something completely different and not very good. So I'm going to start. Sean, what did you what did you make of the last two games? Uh, Saturday was like you said, like Brazil. Yeah, amazing, unbelievable. And I think players like I mean, I I, I absolutely adore Chris Willock. I think he's a complete. I just think he's a game changer. 
and uh, he's a grafter as well, which like I know a lot of people throw back to players like Adele Tarat, who had all the talent and the work ethic of, well, of me or someone equivalent. Um, to then watch someone like Chrissy Willock, you know, and I was, when he got his goal, when he got his like his goal at the end, I was absolutely buzzing for him. But um, but yeah, I, I thought we were amazing. I thought we looked well in possession. I thought we pressed high, we were fast. We looked like we wanted to be there. And then, and then, uh, then what followed wasn't so great, was it? Wasn't so it was great. A brilliant goal, though. I mean, that Dykes goal was one of the best goals I've seen for a it was, long time. It was brilliant. It, do you know what? Um, you know that? Char- do you remember the Charlie Austin goal from Premier League against Southampton? The left foot, yeah, right foot, the shoulder. Oh uh, yeah. It really, you know, just that the touch and the sort of the presence of mind to be able to react. So that that quickly, I thought it was brilliant. And Dykes is a really interesting player for me because he's been getting slandered the, the, his whole time at Rangers, and um, I'm not I'm not really into slating players personally. I just I don't I don't see the point in it. But um, I think his resilience, he's gra- every game, whether he's had a good game or bad game, he's grafted, he's worked his his nuts off, and to see him getting some rewards now, mate, I'm just it's a delight. I think he's um his Barnet is absolutely shocking. But other than that, I'm a I'm a massive fan of Dyke, so I'm really, really enjoying the, um seeing him sort of progress. You you told me Barnet, I, I live in Barnet and I've got the worst haircut ever known to man, half long and half bald. It's ridiculous. Brings me nicely <laughs> on to Peter. Um <laughs> what did you Thank think, you. Peter? Oh, you're welcome, mate. What did what did you think of it? Um when Chris Willock first came to the club. I actually questioned how much he wanted to be a professional footballer. I, okay. I was really deeply concerned about what appeared to me to be like a, a lack of commitment, uh, uh, a, a will to, to win and do well. And I am so delighted to have been proven completely and utterly wrong with my initial assessments. He's a young man. I don't know what's led to this transformation and this blossoming of this clearly very talented young player who by the way should have got the man of the match award on Saturday and and not uh, Lyndon Dykes even though of course he scored a brace um he was utterly outstanding and, and just just a joy and and long may he grace the client Prince Foundation Stadium in a blue and white hoop shirt well said Tom yeah, I think we're seeing that we're just a mid-table team, really, aren't we? Things, small things in games can make enormous differences to us. I mean, that it was such a pleasure watching the closing stages, especially of that Sheffield Wednesday game where we were in complete control. It felt like for so much of the early part of the season, every game was this horrible scrap and we were just sneaking through. But that last half hour or so, it, it was a real pleasure to watch. We just seemed to... to be completely in charge of our own destiny. But to get to that point, we'd needed that Rick for our second goal, which came off the deflection and possibly their keeper should have done a bit better. And then you see up at Rotherham, it just goes completely the other way. It's a slightly weird team selection. And, um, mm. you know, the, the defending for the second goal in particular was pretty um, pretty. Well, the defending all night was pretty weird, wasn't it? I mean, there was a few bits where Barbet tried to sort of take out any aircraft that might have accidentally been flying on a tour from Tui for whatever reason. Because it made no sense. It was oh yeah, sorry. I was just trying to make out. It, it was almost like the best and worst of QPR. The defender wasn't great. The goal was brilliant. 
And we, we seem to play good cop, bad cop in games, don't we? Yeah, I think I think it's the mark of a team that's just somewhere in the middle of the league, though. It, it, we, yeah, we've had true. obviously been a brilliant twenty twenty one, but uh, we are um, we're not quite there yet. But uh, you know, we're we're miles away from uh, the the days earlier this season where it felt like we we're in real danger of going down. And enormous credit to um, the manager and the recruitment, I think, for for getting us to this position where we can really relax for the last few weeks of the season. Bradley, I'm going to bring you in. Can I just ask you something, Bradley? When you played for QPR, you came for the youth team. And obviously you had, without saying your brother's name, but you had that to live with as well and your cousin and everything else. But for someone like Lyndon Dykes, what, where, where's the change come from? Because he has literally overnight become a much better striker. Is that just confidence or is it the team playing to his strengths or, or what? I think it's part confidence, probably. Um be becoming getting more used to the level that he's now playing at a lot, lot different to the the, the Scottish football that that he was playing in previously. But I, but I think sometimes not all new signings hit the ground running immediately. Obviously, the loan signings have worked a treat, Queens Park Rangers, since the turn of the year, uh, and that has uh, correctly been highlighted. But I think with Dykes. Maybe the fans back in the stadium, fingers crossed, next season will see a powerful, a more consistent player. Um, but, but I think it begs the question, you know, big decisions to be made with those lone players. The recruitment come the summer uh, and, and the direction the fans want to see the football club move into. Because in my opinion, I would hope the guys agree, QPR probably need another 20 goals from somewhere for next season if they are to threaten the playoffs. Uh, that's what the fans will be dreaming of. And hopefully uh, part of that contribution can can come from Dykes, for sure. But going back again, Bradley, when you were playing, does it really, when the fans get your back, obviously no fans are seeing blah, blah, and you read social media stuff, how hard is it when you're going through a barren spell to come out of it the other side? Is it is it really tricky? It, it, it's tough. But I think that's that's the shaping of a and, and the development of a of a young player. But but I think um, if if like Willock has started to show just with his efforts and his endeavour, they'll they'll back you, they'll support you. Some of some of the favourite players at football clubs of our London teams, I I, I think of the likes of Mark Noble who completed four hundred Premier League games at the weekend. Yeah, he's had his critics and he's probably, his legs are going a little bit and he's coming towards the end of his career. Will another homegrown London player play 400 games for their clubs? You think of uh, an Alan McDonald that I played with. You think of some of the uh, the great Arsenal players that were one clubmen. The Tottenham fans will be hoping Harry Kane stays and Tottenham's just his club for his career. They'll give you the benefit of the doubt because... I think those those young players who have come through the system, they understand what playing for that team is and who they're representing. Uh, and I think that's really powerful. That's a fair point. Sean, going back a wee bit to, to say, go back to Rotherham, do you think it was a case of they had someone to play for and we've kind of, we're sort of playing different formations you brought in? Nico and we played Kakai together. Do you think we're just trying things out for next season, or do you think that Rangers have just kind of we're on the beach a bit? Um, well, I, I like to think we're not 
I like to think that we're we're still playing for something. I mean, I've, I think any fan would would think the same. Um, I also, I be, I believe that the running of games is it's just so intense. It is so intense. And I was like, I was having this conversation with a few pals of mine about um, who are Southampton fans and about where they've had their injury problems this season. And I was just kind of like, if you think about any walk of life, if you're, you know, whatever you're doing, I was, I was trying to run, for instance, going on 5k runs. I played heads and volleys with my mate in the mates in the park and I couldn't walk for three days. I'm only 28. Like, so, and if, when you think of stuff like that, I can easily do one thing, you know, to go for runs daily, whatever. But then just, it's not, it's not just, it's just so, it's so intense. It's so intense. If you think if I, if playing heads and volleys knackers me, competing for 90 minutes, you know, every, what is it? Three, every three, four days, basically with this, this fixture list. I, I, I genuinely believe that like no human being is, is able to, you know, compete at the highest level every single time they put on a jersey. I don't think it's physically possible. So I think, I think Warburton was right to rotate the squad. I think he had to. I think, he, you know, if he, if he doesn't, then we are going to pick up injuries and we are going to pick up injuries to key players. And if we lose key players for four or five games rather than rest them for one, that is, you know, that well, that's the difference between... For instance, if we're heading for playoffs next season, that's the difference between getting in a playoff position or automatic promotion. You know, it's um, small margins with massive consequences. So I like to think that that Rotherham game was was not as, you know, rolling over and accepting we've had a, an average season. And um, I like to think, it, you know, he, he's protecting his assets, you know. I don't think you can level the on-the-beach stuff at this team, really. I think if, if that were the case, we'd be seeing it uh, far more frequently than we than mm. we do at the moment. Um, Clive Whittingham's written quite a bit about um, the fact that there's a lot of bonuses, apparently, linked to finishing top 10. I think you can see that in some of the performances, and it, it makes sense, doesn't it, to have those sorts of bonuses to give players something to... Um, to play for, I, I would say the team at Rotherham did have the look of one that had been selected by algorithm. I'm sure um, the uh, performance fellas. You can't decided... come on this podcast and use words like that. This is very basic for people like me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's something a computer <laughs> does, Paul. I hear you. <laughs> that's a, that's. Do you know what, Tom? That's a good point because I say on the beach, but that's kind of this sort of when. You, I mean, Peter and Bradley with us as well. When you don't win games, you lose the odd one. You lose basically because we've actually looked at Forest. We got tagged to Forest before that. We won. We won against Sheffield. We lost against Rotherham. They say win one, lose one, blah blah. I still think we're finding a feet, but I don't know what you think, Peter. But I think we've we've done okay this season. I'm not going to look back at this season apart from before Christmas and think it was awful. I'm going to think. We've got a springboard. We can build from this and we can go forward and we can do something. And we've used maybe a few months to learn what we need to do to be much more successful next season. Well, maybe it's an age thing, but I'm a bit more impatient and I wouldn't say we've done okay this season. I think this season has been an absolute disappointment. And if it wasn't for the uh, the good fortune and, and the... The, the decent signings that were made during the transfer window in January, I think we'd be staring down the barrel of relegation. We were absolutely appalling and people seem to have forgotten that in a very short space of time. And that was with a squad that Mark Warburton has almost exclusively built himself. Um, that said, there have been some uh, impressive performances. 
But, you know, I know we're dealing with the, the, the two most recent games and, and you've mentioned Forrest and we could mention Barnsley and there's been others. When a team gets a lot of bodies behind the ball, when they're not in possession, uh, we quite simply do not be, seem to be able to break them down. And, and we may get a goal like we did on Tuesday, but we don't build on that. And, and we are essentially, we can be worn down, I think. I think we're a team that at the moment doesn't really have the resolve in the side to uh, nor the patience to really stick it out. Somebody tell me the last time we got an 89th minute 1-0 victory. I know every every fan of every club will say this, but it, it, I know, and I appreciate it. it's just confirmation bias because I'm a QPR fan and I've seen it happen so many times at Loftus Road, but we really feel like we miss the fans in that respect. Like I, There's been so many games, especially in recent years, where it's, we've had a goal to get in the last 10 minutes or so in the atmosphere. It feels like it's played a part in getting us there. I, 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 again, Tom, I'm not I'm not buying into that. It's the same for everybody. Yeah. You know, no one's got no one's got fans there. Um, it just seems to be a, a like you're living in an echo chamber of convenience because there's that's a very ex, convenient uh, excuse, if you will, for for you to put forward. Quite frankly, we were appalling up until the transfer window. The the signings have helped enormously, um, but there is an awful lot of work to do. Now I'm not one for revolving doors when it comes to managers. And I think there's an argument that Brentford's success of recent years was perhaps built mainly on the foundation stones that Mark Warburton laid, um, albeit that success wasn't mirrored in his other appointments. I don't want to hire and fire. We've had far too many, many managers over the years. I believe in stability. I believe in year-on-year improvement. And if we improve this year, this season, on where we were last season, I'll take that. I'll accept it. But it has to be an ongoing process of improvement year by year. Bradley? Yeah, I think Peter makes some great points there. I think I think stability is the key. Uh, but, but I think QPR needs to be smart in that summer transfer window. They really do. But, but Sean, actually, on the, on the point of uh, player fatigue... Uh, and the nature of the championship, successive championship games, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, for 30 weeks of the season, it, it's tough going. And, you know, we've, we've seen to the, to the supporting eye how the game is analysed tactically by those wonderful pundits on our television screens. A big influence now on the, on the support staff and the sports science teams and, and maybe... On that particular game, with the amount of matches some of these players have, have performed in in recent weeks and the improvement of results since the turn of the year in January, they maybe it was it was considered with Marwar, but and one or two could be left out or rested or needed just a little recharge. And I think you have to do that as well. You have to do that as well, and and that's why you need a depth in squad. And I think that's that's you know. What, what QPR really need to uh, to look towards uh, in, in in those summer months so they so they come out the traps and they start the new season with the fans um, on the front foot in in positive fashion Tom you work in the press right <laughs> and you're a QPR fan I'm not going to say who you work for well yeah dead the Telegraph um, where do we need to go for next season to springboard 
Um, Kelman, what do you think of him? Do you think there's something about the wee man that, that you know Charlie can bring out and with Dex being more of a target man? I mean, do we need to add many more players? Are we nearly there? Are we not so much the fullback? Where do we go from here? I think the key thing this summer is not to have another summer of enormous turnover. You can't keep doing that. The 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 core, not necessarily the spine of the team, but we need to keep um, the majority of this core of players together. I think it's safest to plan as if Austin isn't going to be with us. I, I just don't see um, us uh, attracting him with his with his wages. I know he's said There's no FFP next season. Don't forget. Yeah, I, I, I just I, I just think the club has been so resolutely. Um, uh, keen to stick to sane financial planning. So, so, you know, you can make the argument they have um, done that to excess that they perhaps should have shown more ambition. But I think we've been so burnt by that approach in the past, it makes sense to be operating the club the way we are at the moment. Um, Johansson, I, I don't, I, I'm not in the know in the slightest on this, but I feel like um, he, he that that feels slightly more likely that something could be done there, just because you would assume his wages will be lower than Austin's. Um, I'd argue we've got a greater need for Johansson than Austin. I think Austin has just been such a brilliant addition, um, but I, I would argue it's as much to do with his personality and the uh, the mood he's brought to the club as, as well as his goals. And, you know, uh, if Dykes can carry on the way he's going, um, that, that, may be, um, uh, that may need less of a need for a striker like Austin. Sean, what do you reckon in Southampton? Is there anyone there we could take from the, the, the supposedly great youth teams they have? on loan that could maybe fire us into the, the playoffs? Um, I don't know. The, as far as close as I get to the, the sort of the Southampton Academy youth team players are bumping into them in the pub. And uh, that's, <laughs> that's uh, I mean, they're usually in better condition than I am. So maybe, but um, I don't know. I think, I think um, Bradley made a really good point about uh, uh, strength and depth. And I think that's something that we we lack and I guess it goes to show if you if you you know it's we've we're told week in and week out um in uh everything Warburton says is that you know he's, he's trying to look after the players he's trying to keep the players fit so um are our options are our secondary options if you like are they good enough to to kind of support us in a promotion push i would argue not. And um, the thing is, I really like Charlie, Charlie Cameron. He's 19 years old. He's a kid. And I think that there's, there's something there, but I'm not convinced that that something that he has there at this moment in time is conducive with a team that's pushing for promotion or, you know, pushing for the playoffs. However, when you look at like players like Eze in the past or Senny Dien, who go out on loan spells and play football week in and week out, play against like fully grown, um, fully grown blokes, kicking them up and down the pitch, and then come, and then come back. You know, I think that's that's something that I've always found amazing about Eze. It's just like no one could get him off the ball, and I see it now with Chris Willock. When Chris Willock runs, like he's not as he's not as graceful to me anyway. He's not as graceful as a player like Adele to you know, one of those play, playmaker players we've had. He's probably not even as graceful as um, Ilias Chair, but the strength he's got, he, he plays can kick him and it doesn't bother him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't go down easy. So I think in terms of additions, I, I, I think Kelman, Kelman's great and I think he will be a very good footballer, 
but he's just not ready yet for in my opinion so if he was to get a loan move i think that would be good that would be uh would be decent for him but we in terms of who we bring in now we've got a lot there's a lot of youth in that team that are you know ready to break through and i i mean i honestly think signings like Adoma have just been priceless for us just the experience Charlie Austin's proved it you know even that that like I mentioned earlier that Dykes goal mirroring Austin's goal I think mm. experience is 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 so beneficial in that team so if I was to sign a, you know if I was uh, if I had the checkbook um, I'm not sure I would necessarily be looking for youth right now I think I'd be looking for a few bodies to sort of sturdy the ship and um, steady the ship and add add a little bit more more value to the, the strength and depth. Who that would be, you know, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But, um, but that goes back to the, the Neil Warnocks. When Neil Warnock came in, you think, oh, who's he going to bring? And then he signed all these captains of industry, these these yeah. war horses, these people who knew this division inside out. Uh, it's yeah. difficult. Bradley, I mean, you, it's an interesting thing about Charlie, um, obviously Kelman. When you were young, how much pressure is it to 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 basically be? When you were young, you, you probably could have a few bad games. You could probably maybe have a few bad months. But these days, it seems you're supposed to be the finished article from youth team on the 23s into the first team. It, it seems harsh on young players. Finn, I, I had this conversation still today, uh, and and it's you know, uh, a, a hot topic, I think. I would call it road-tested. These players need to be road-tested. Uh, we have it with our own young players uh, at, at Spurs Academy. And, and I think the ones that have been more successful, whether that's through to the first team or careers in the professional game, um, have had that. Reaching that magic number maybe of 50 senior games, exactly like... Um, Chul said with with Diane, he did that with 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 the loan spell, and mm. you know I, I I was very fortunate, very fortunate to debut at seventeen at Queens Park Rangers, three sub appearances. Finn, was I ready for that? No way, no oh, really? way. I was a young player with potential, but I was never ready to to play physically, psychologically. It probably took me another two two and a half years to further develop youth football, reserve football at the time, training, going up against more senior experienced players. And then when I got closer to 19, 20 years of age, although it was a different pathway and time then, then I was able to then, you know, uh, force my way and be a part of the, the QPR first team squad when when Jerry Francis returned to the club. And, and, and I think, you know, the, the development rate and speed of all these players, it's all individual. Some can do it really early. Some might be more physical, robust. Kevin Gallen could do it at 18 because yeah. Kevin Gallen had that, that sort of uh, body for senior football. He was robust. He was strong like a, a young Wayne Rooney. Others don't. They take a little bit longer and you have to be more patient. And and your understanding of that, you, you really need somebody in charge who's who's got good knowledge and, and, and who's patient. Um, and, of course, you need competition in all positions. It's interesting, though, because did you read this thing, Peter, we're going to go to a B team next year as well? Obviously, and we're going to have this, that and the other. And we, 
let's face it, we're old bitter, aren't we? I mean, when I was younger, it was always under 18s and then the, um, the reserve team, which was quite, well, I think it was a point into whatever it was called then, uh, reserve combination league. And it was quite strong. And you, you, you almost knew your first team, your reserve team, and your under 18s. And these days, it just seems to be so hard for younger players. Do you kind of feel sorry for the younger ones coming out of Loftus Road and, and thinking they haven't got as much chance as maybe years ago they might have had? No, I feel only envy to be a professional footballer. <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah, but I mean, I've just got to say something about Bradley because, as you mentioned, you know, I'm no spring chicken. And and how Bradley was able to kick a ball, right? Let alone bearing in mind, of course, the rich family history that, that yeah. went before him and the pressure and the expectation that was on his shoulders. And then he had to wear a shirt that was three sizes too big for him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how he was even able to kick a ball was beyond me. And it's enormous credit to the man that he's made a living, a career, a livelihood uh, out of football. Um, but just to focus on where we are at the moment, um, <clears throat> you know, let me just bounce four midfield names uh, across you, Amos, Carroll, Field and Johansson. Now, you know, we might not have any of them next season. Now, I appreciate Luke Amos is injured and, and all of that, but the club's really going to have to think with its head and not its heart um, when it comes to who we're going to sign and who we're going to retain. I think there's a desperate need for fullbacks or wingbacks, as, as it's called, um, these days. Um Mide Shadipo, good noises coming out of Oxford. Will he come back? Uh, will he train with the first team? Is is that someone to consider? Yet another potentially very exciting young talent who I'd love to see in a blue and white hoop shirt. Um, yeah, we're going to have to we're going to have to wait and see. But the club are going to have to be, uh, as they have been in recent times, and credit to them for that. They have thought with their heads and not their heart, and they're going to have to live within their means, of course. Who excites you, Tom, that you think for next season? Again, we're, uh, I know, obviously, we don't want to talk about the other next got hammered, but who do you think, because that's a good point that um, Peter makes about bringing players through. Who, who do you think would be the next one to come through, do you reckon? Batash, maybe? Could be, yeah. I mean, I, I, I know he's fairly well established for us now, but I'm expecting a lot from Chair next season. I think oh, he um, was class against Wednesday. Yeah, it, he's just um, he's a player who just uh, brings me a lot of joy in in that team, and uh, he's in a kind of grand tradition like that. He's he's replaced Ezzy a little bit in that respect for me as the player who just makes me laugh and and makes me enjoy watching us. Um, I do think he's one who will benefit from from crowds being back. He seems to kind of thrive off that. He seems to have that personality. So I'd, I'd expect big things from him uh, next next year. I think. It, you know, it's been just very, very difficult to predict what has happened with with some of the young players at our clubs, with our club this season, and some of them have not started particularly well and have, and have come into a bit of form. I, I shared your concerns about Willock early on, um, Peter, and um, and others. Perhaps uh, someone like Kakai maybe has dropped off a little bit as the season has gone on. Um, so I I, uh, I hope to be happily surprised and hope that they're all magnificent next season. Well, for me, I suppose. Sean, same yes, question. Mate. Who do you think can come into the team next season and make a difference? Um, I just, it's it's tough, isn't it? I I I I liked um, Midi Shadipo. What was it two seasons ago now? 
Yeah. When um, to, I thought there was glimpses. I thought there was glimpses then. So um, again, going back to, to what, what I was saying earlier and what Bradley was saying about uh, getting players game time, getting them out on loan. Uh, he's been unreal for Oxford. There's no two ways about it. He's been brilliant. So when he comes back into that, into the training grounds, it's... Uh, I, re- I just hope he comes back with a, with a new, new lease of confidence. He's going to be physically stronger. He's going to be uh, mentally smarter uh, from game time. Um, so I, th- I think for me, Shadipo, I really like Kakai. And I just like, every, I've, I've watched, I watch every game in my old man. And every game, we're just willing him on. We're just wanting him to. Mm. And, do you know what I mean? There's something about him. And it, it's, I mean, he has got the coolest haircut I've ever seen in my life as well at the moment. Um, I know Bradley could run for his money back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, so I, I think I think Shadipo for me, I'd I'd love to see him have a run. I'd agree with what, um, what Pete was saying as well. I'd love to see him have a run because he's uh, you, you see it all the time, don't you, on Twitter or whatever. There's always a Shadipo notification coming through. He scored or it's an assist or you know or it's Oxford fans singing his praises. I'd love to see him um him come and get a spell and get a run out. We lack pace for me. We lack pace. Um, he, that's something he would offer. Um, and also, I, I think Kakai as well. I really like Nico. Um, in, yeah? Yeah, yeah. There's something about okay. him. Mate. There's something about him. I don't, I don't think he's there quite, quite there yet. And I also think uh, Lee Wallace has completely turned his season on its head and been yeah. phenomenal. So it's off if you're playing like for like, if you go in position like for like, uh, Wallace, his form is play, playing Nico off the park, obviously. Um, but I, I definitely think there's something there. He's getting in the national side, do you know what I mean? He's doing something mm-hmm. right. And I think um, another player, I think, needs games. But for, for me, it would be uh, Kakai. I would love, love to see him just get a solid run and uh, and Shadipo, I think I think they're both both got a lot to offer. Bradley, you may think I'm being strange here, because I'm always strange anyway. And um but I think Kakai can make a good centre half like a Paul Parker type thing. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think I think he's there's enough in his game for him to be versatile to play numerous positions. Mark Warburton, you know, sometimes chooses to change his uh, his formation. I, th- I think both uh himself and uh Hamalainen as well have that that athletic ability to uh to to get up and down the flanks i think they put, can both still improve on their their final ball and delivery into the box i think the other thing you should also consider here Finn as well in terms of recruitment and because of covid and the pandemic and the the financial implications on all football clubs the transfer market is going to look a lot different as well in the summer, mm. and yeah. and maybe the the market and 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 the areas of players that might have been scouted or identified. There's still some gems there in League One and League Two, even even the National League, who you just might be able to to sort of cherry pick at the right time. They might be affordable. They're going to be coming in, possibly given the chance to compete and be a part of a championship side and be really hungry. And those players as well, you know, going back, back to my day, we've often discussed this thing, you know, that that was the workings of, of, of QPR Football Club. And we had tremendous success with that. Well, we, Rob, we Dickey, Rob Dickey's been a great example of that, hasn't he? How he's yeah. grown, he's got better. Yeah. 
But the thing about Rangers is we always had a kind of a staying road, a Bannister, a Wigley, um, a Delta Rap. We always see the fine players that everyone else, I mean, recently, Eze, for goodness sakes, you know, everyone else couldn't bring that kind of thing out. We did. And yourself, mm. it, I'm disappointed with Paul Smith. I, I'm not just saying that because he comes from the same country as me, but I, I love seeing these youngsters come through that, you know, you pick up for 40,000, like a Gene Mackey's, whatever, from, you know, from Plymouth or whatever, and they turn it around. I'd much rather spend money on them than your likes of flipping Leroy Fur and whatever that just come in and just don't do anything and we spend millions on them. And I, I just worry sometimes that, you know, you, I mean, Bradley, I mean, sorry to alienate everyone else for a second, this B team thing with QPR, what's the thinking behind that? Is it going to be a link between the under-23s and the first team or are we going to try and go back? Because let's face it, I think football suffered from a really poor reserve league and also the fact that Chelsea can have 9,000 players to loan out left, right and centre and youth team players are so hard to pick up. Yeah, I, I think that has been diluted significantly and, and, the, and the reserve team football back in the day, you would have senior players that had to play in that, whether coming back from injury or to get back into the first team squad. So the importance of that was was far greater, much, much higher. I think with with uh, under 23 football, what, what you can sort of smartly do is, is run Finn a bespoke programme. So you have games, whether it's against non-league teams, whether you even travel and you go abroad and you play fixtures, you play against different teams with different formations, different styles, so, so you can actually use and develop it for the benefit of the players in that, in that sort of cohort. Um, and there are clubs that have had success with that. Should I say Brentford? Yeah, well, Brentford have. Yeah. They've, they've chose to do that. Um, they've, they've took some players from uh, different lower European leagues. They've parked them in that squad. They've had a bespoke programme for them. And some of those players have actually flourished and then become part of Brentford's first team squad. So it's a... Uh, it's a newer thing, um, but but some clubs who have adopted it have, have had some success. Yeah, well, Tom, what do you think? Are you happy with a new programme for next season in that respect? Or are you just thinking first team, first team, first team? Uh, I, I think we're we're a club in um, uh, in in quite a tricky position. I think our fans um, have had mediocrity for a long time now. And mm. it's very, very difficult to keep people motivated when the best we can hope for is incremental progress. Uh, and, you know, when we've seen such riches in our time as, as QPR fans, whether that's, you know, the great 75-6 team or, or even just the uh, Bobby Zamora. Steve Slade. Playoff. <laughs> yes, Steve Slade, of course. Yeah, who could forget? Um, but I, I think... Uh, Ultimately, I'll, I'll repeat myself, I, I do just have a lot of faith in the way the club is being run. And I think um, there, are, there are mistakes, clearly, now and then. And you can, you can pick out individual things that aren't as they should have been, things that didn't go as well as they could have done. But um, uh, I, don't have, uh, I don't have really much criticism for any of the decisions they're making about the, the way the club is operated in that respect. I would, I would back them to get that stuff right based on what they've done. Peter? Well... Before COVID struck, I think the availability of bulky pies in the upper loft was patchy. Um, <laughs> and for me, that that is symptomatic of a club that is headed in the wrong direction. I, I sincerely hope when we get back that my bulky pie cravings will be uh, satisfied. I hope you brought um, that up at the fans' forum. 
Um, funny enough, I think I was doing my hair that night. But anyway, <laughs> um, no. It, it, overall, I've, I've, yes, there, there's a lot of positives. But let's just remember, we've all got short memories because we're football fans. People were clamouring for Mark Warburton who's shown the door when we were losing 10 on the bounce or whatever it was in that awful run earlier on. We were pretty dire and we've just been win one, lose one for the last three months or so. So, you know, one swallow does not a summer make. Uh, we're not going to be Norwich in 21-22 and proudly at the top of the division, I don't think. I mean, I would love that, of course, but Mark Warnock's at Middlesbrough. Um so hope springs eternal. It has to, doesn't it? It's what keeps us going back year after year after year. Um, but I just want to say, guys, I don't buy into this. Well, let's hope for the playoffs because the playoffs, quite frankly, is is an is a waste of time for three out of the four clubs. A complete and utter crushing, disappointing, heartbreaking waste of time for 75% of the teams that get in the playoffs and I'm sure I don't have to remind people about the one of the worst days of my entire life spent in what was then the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff <laughs> just to reinforce my point um, you know aim for the stars and if you hit the moon you might have a bit of a result but look at what happened the year after that that was one of the best seasons for supporting QPR I can remember I mean we made made hard going of it at the end surely there's an argument for you know getting the playoffs maybe it doesn't go to plan but you can build from that well I'll just go back to the incremental growth which you just poo-pooed a, a couple of minutes ago <laughs> and I was talking about gradual improvement year on year <clears throat> in in those three seasons when we're in the third tier of English football Ian Holloway managed just an eighth position then a fourth position, and then a second position and automatic promotion. That's the kind of growth I like to see. You know, that's the most QPR thing ever, though, isn't it, Sean? It's like, I mean, you, you, you're 28, you say, so you remember these things. So I'm, I'm always aware that I'm old, and I've got to try and remember this as a youth podcast as well as middle-aged, blah, blah, blah. But most teams who have playoff finals don't go up the full-on year. But typically QPR, we do things awkwardly. We, we went up the next year after that. And could we do a Barnsley next season? Could we? Is it about recruitment all the time, or is it just about having more hope and, and down, not downplaying what you've got, but actually just going for it? Yeah, I, I think I think it's well, it's got to be a mix, hasn't it? It's good. That is the the uh, the cop out answer to it. Um, I th- I don't know. I I'm I must admit after the last few. The last ten seasons of sort of being a QPR fan, like incremental progress is is, that, is all right for me. You know, I'm thinking in in terms of I I can remember I can remember going to the playoff final, um, and I had to leave the moments Amora scored. I had to leave because I was on tour and I had a show to get to to get out of the emergency exit. So the goal went in. I stood with my brother. I fell about five rows forward. No one helped me because we were too busy celebrating. Ran back up to my brother and then ran for the emergency exit and ran down Wembley Way, surrounded by Derby fans with a QPR no. flag, QPR flag hanging out of my um, back pocket. Getting, I've, I mean, I've been abused before. I've had abuse before, but that was something else. Ran to the tube. So I've had a memory like that, which is for me, probably, you know, one of the best days of my life. But 
when you finish last in the Premier League and when you are shocking week in, week out, and when you've got a squad full of players who are earning more money a week than I will ever earn in my entire life, who don't give a toss about the thing you love so much, it's soul-destroying. And I've got no interest in... in um, you know, and investing in that, investing my time in it, like, you know, QPR win, I have a good weekend. QPR lose, it's, shock, it's a shocker. So I would rather, for me, put my faith and, you know, put all that sort of, I, I don't know, without getting too soppy about it, emotion into it, into a bunch of lads who, you know, care and put the shirt on and play with a bit of pride. And sometimes we lose and sometimes we're, you know, we're a bit dodgy, but, everyone who's got a shirt on wants to be there. And I think like that's the one thing, like Don Ball's a great example. I I, I don't think he's he's had the, the, his last few games have been particularly great. Um, but you can tell every, he's just, he's like, he's like a puppy, isn't he? He's so excited to just be playing football. And I like watching players who want to play for the team I support. Mm. And, um, you know, that's, that's what I enjoy. That's, that's what gets me going. And like uh, Ilias Chair, um, I'm not sure who mentioned it earlier, but say about how how he's going to react when the fans come back. Do you know how like engaging that is for you know if you're thinking of um, the way social media just controls everything now, as, as diabolical as that is on um, on the you know most part. There's some parts that are really lovely, and I think players like Ilias Chair are infectious. You know, you know he's like such a cheeky chappy, and when he you know nutmegs someone whatever and runs off laughing. Um, I think you were mentioned mentioned earlier, Tom. You can't help but laugh, can you? It's like it's a, an immediate feeling, and I think that's something that's quite special about QPR is that it's a club. You know, it's always going to be hard work, but you know, it's always going to be good crack. And I think, like, if anything, you know, I I, I don't think we're going to win the Premier League, but you know, if, I, I would love to be a mid-table Premier League club eventually. But eventually, I'm happy with, you know, the journey is, is for me personally, the journey is still good crack. And uh, as long as there's players playing for the shirt, then, then I'll keep watching and I'll keep, you know, I'll keep paying my money and I'll keep, keep buying the replica shirts and all of that, the ones that fit me anyway. But yeah, that, that's, that's the way I look at it. <laughs> yeah. <isn't> it? <laughs> but Bradley, do you know what I often think? I mean, you played in a really, really, really good QPR side. I mean, you're looking back at a team that was put together for not a lot of money, but by God, there were decent players. You your Bardsley, you your Wilsons, you your Ray Wilkins and Alan Mack and so, so forth. Do you think we could ever get a side like that again together without being absolutely transferred out of the club within two seasons? Or is, is that just me being old and looking back at it romantically? It's so difficult, isn't it? It's very difficult, and and I'm sure you know uh, some of you from from those times. Do do you wrestle with the thought that, blimey, I wish I would have cherished those moments more as as, as a yeah. football sport because we we did as players, and it seems such a long time ago. I was only getting a bit of stick at the club, and someone was saying Celes was on with his hundred plus. Premier League goals and there was someone that was assisting a couple of them and I said to them I don't need to remind you of that I said but you see how I've aged and he's he's got younger and better looking and more handsome <laughs> now that he's in his 50s um, but I think I think as well you know some of the guys that have, have, have come in uh, those lone players maybe 
and, and, and you know, Tom makes a good point about the, the financial implications and the difficulties maybe to get them to come to the club. But if they're good professionals and there's an understanding in the club's regard that there's going to be, you know, you're not going to get nothing back from those players. But maybe for a year or two, both on and off the pitch, they're going to be superb professionals. They're going to help some of these younger guys through the difficulty of the championship for one or two seasons, almost some short-term fixes that might get you closer to challenging the top of the championship. Possibly that has to be considered as well. Personally, I don't mind going to the playoffs and winning it and then joining the Scottish League for a year or something, just giving up place to somebody else because losing <laughs> all them games in the Premiership just done me in, Peter. I don't know. It was, it was so... Dis- I mean, what was the statistics? We lost... 85% of games or something. It was, it was ridiculous in those three seasons. I, I just long for a QPR side that makes Loftus Road a, a stadium that people fear again. And going away from home, you've got some hope. What, what about you? I just want the Queen's Park Rangers that I've loved and adored and followed loyally for over half a century to be exactly what it is. Queen's you can't be that old, Park Peter. Rangers. Queen's Park Rangers. We all know what that is as a club, the football we play, the, the fun, the laughter that we have with those people that we've been sitting in the same stand for decades with. You know, as a club, we have an awful lot to be proud of. We have a quite wonderful heritage. And I just yeah. want us to be that. We, I think, so much of our success in recent decades, and these are not rose-tinted glasses, by the way, but, you know, that, that buy cheaply, and then sell a player a season, as we did in the in, in the 90s. We sold a player at the end of every season, dare I say it, during the Richard Thompson era, to balance the books. Yeah. That's how we did it. We bought your Trevor Sinclair's cheaply and then sold him for three or four million and, and balanced the books. Um, as a business model, that might be a touch outdated now in modern football, and Bradley will have a far greater insight on that than me. But if... If roughly we can kind of do that, whilst benefiting as a club as a result of that, because the players are doing well and they're being watched and seen and coming to people's attention, just like Rob Dickey and like Senny's done for mm. the, this season, then let's all let's all benefit and let's all get down to the Kyan Prince Foundation Stadium as soon as possible. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's kind of. I'm finding these games are kind of like being Bradley, you're commentating on them, so it's it must be even more difficult when you're inside the ground and you're kind of like there's no one there and stuff. But it's so hard to I mean, what's it like for you guys commentating on them just to get an idea of what it's like? Because it's it's hard to watch these games on your phone or your tablet or whatever. It's it's nowhere near the same. It, it's it's been it's been tough. We we spoke just before you come on actually when you was having your, your techno issues and there's been some London clubs that have that have benefited. Some say techno, some say don't know what the hell I'm doing, but carry on. <laughs> some have, some have benefited from that enormously, not having their fans in. I, I think I think parts of the season, like Peter's quite rightly highlighted, QPR suffered not having their fans in uh, mm. at Loftus Road pre-Christmas. Um, and and I would you know I was at the Millwall game, the comeback in the second half. I I, I covered that match. That was a, an, an excellent turnaround. They showed a lot of confidence. But I think as well, just, just to, to echo P 
Peter Stoltz. The fans want to see entertainment. They want to see players that, that, that are brave, that go for it, that take risks, whether they're younger, whether a little, little bit older, more experienced. If, if they see that, and, and I know that from being at QBR for nearly eight years, the QBR fans will always give you the benefit of the doubt and they'll always warm to you. And I, and I think if if Marv Warburton can still build on that, I think I think there's still a chance because, because I think the standard across the championship, yeah, you get your demoted teams and there's been this season where, you know, your Norwiches, your Bournemouth have, have sort of come down. They've generally kept large squads and the quality of their players has, has given them you know, an advantage to make an immediate return to, uh, to, to, to the Premier League. But the rest bin really is a much of a muchness. And, mm. and, 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 I, and I think that should give the QPR fans optimism for the immediate future. Yeah, I like that. Right, we're going to go into the RZN now, because if I walk for much longer, I'm going to probably bore you all to death. Um, but I'm just thinking what I'm going to say for my hours end. So I'm going to go to Peter first. Um, I'm going to be really cheeky here and just say that starting on the 1st of May, um, you may or may not, may not know that I own a living, well, scratch a living out of writing books and broadcasting about crime. And so much of it is about murder, sadly. Um, and I've spent an awful lot of time in the company of, murder victims they're, they're, they're you know they're they're called secondary victims or co-victims families parents siblings all of that who have suffered dreadfully um, and starting on the 1st of may bearing in mind that i'm six foot uh, 61 years old and 15 stone 11 last time i jumped on the scales in may i have set myself the personal challenge to walk a million steps in may that means walking wow. 32,259 steps a day which for me with my stride length is about 15 miles every day for 31 consecutive days. And I'm doing it in aid of a wonderful charity called Support After Murder and Manslaughter. So if you would be kind enough to go onto my website, peterblexley.com, and give a few pennies or maybe a few pounds if you can afford it to support the wonderful work that are done for people who are, of course, affected by these dreadful crimes. And let's face it, Rangers fans, know that just about more than any other club in the land, don't we? Because who's our ground named after? Um, Peter, when you're doing it, I might come down and have a yarn with you, if you're OK with Please that. do, please do. I'm, you know, I'm walking for five and a half, six hours every day. So wind your way down to Bexley. And uh, I've, I've been doing a bit of training. I know all the routes around the parks and, the, and with the woods and with there's some meadows a couple of miles down the road. And uh, yeah, let's please come and join me. Walk a few steps, and we'll have a we'll have a socially distanced natter, and um, maybe a pub stop. Uh, guaranteed. Good man. We can talk about Gary Ballister and, and Stinron and, and people like that, and, and where we should name a stand after Stan Bulls. But hey, oh, you know, we can talk about other things as well. Yeah, Sean, what's yours? Ours end, and you're a singer songwriter. So where can people find your work? By the way. Uh, it's all just uh, Sean McGowan UK on Twitter and Instagram and all that, or uh, SeanMcGowan.co.uk, I think it is. Have you ever wrote a QPR song, by the way? No, but I have referenced um, I've referenced QPR 
I've referenced uh, in, in lyrics. So uh, there's a lyric about Loftus Road to Wembley. Um, it, our, my album, Son of the Smith, was in blue and white, the artwork for that. Uh, Shane, which, Shane, do those lyrics include sticking a blue flag somewhere? Because somebody wrote that long before you. <laughs> well, I'm getting paid the royalties for it, and that's, <laughs> that's all that matters in this day and age, isn't it? Um, what, what I'm thinking, Sean, is you could do an album. Yeah. I'll tell you what sounds like a great album. I saw yeah. a Bradley Allen hat trick. There is a great name for an album. <laughs> I'd have to go on YouTube for that, though, wouldn't I? Sadly. Well, there, there was a few of them, wasn't there, Bradley? You know, yeah, there was, was that called at Highbury, for instance. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. Yep, yeah, yeah, that was good. I was like, so name that website again, Sean. Um, I don't actually know what it is. I don't know what our website <laughs> is, mate. Just show me. Never mind. We'll we'll take that bit out. So it's so, just. I'll leave it in, mate. Leave it in. I don't bother me. Sean McGowan UK. It'll pop up. Like and also Bradley. I meant no disrespect, mate. It's only because my age. I didn't remember. So I will YouTube it. But. Bradley. Bradley's one of the nicest people you've ever met. He will not take offence at all. Sorry to speak for you, Bradley, but I know what you're like. So Sean, what's your eyes end? Um, I don't know, mate. It's just I'm I'm optimistic, mate. That's what. That's I think after this. All I, all I could leave anything I'm currently doing on is um, is a note of optimism, whether it be uh, about about QPR specifically or the world um, as it currently is and has been for the last year. And I think for me, I, I would like to go back to what we were, I was saying earlier about uh, Shadipo and Kakai and say that there, you know, there's a lot of promise in this QPR team, and um, and it's, it's there's a lot of pride in the club still, and there hasn't been. Um, in you know in recent years, so I think that you know there's a lot of lot of things for us to be optimistic um, about, and a, a lot of reason for us to sort of continue investing our time and money as well, and uh, efforts into the club. Fair point, Tom. <laughs> uh, in normal times, I, I go to Loftus Road with my sister and my dad, so we're often texting uh, as we're I've watching met it you all. a few times. Though, I know. Yeah, all right. Well, you know, claim to fame for you, Paul. Um, and your lovely hat. <laughs> <laughs> your lovely, lovely hat. Yeah, you've got, you got to stay warm. Um, but, it's, yeah, so we're, we're sort of texting through the games at the moment, and my sister texts me uh, on Saturday watching the Sheffield Wednesday game because it was on Sky, and she said, why does this game feel so different? And then she figured out um, quite quickly afterwards it's because we were all watching it with unbiased commentary. It wasn't Nick London and Andy Sinton. Uh, the commentary. It was the Sky stuff, yeah. And uh, it, it just made me realise how big a thing they have been in my life in the past year or so. Like they've been the sort of one of the very few kind of comforts that once we got used to watching QPR on the on the stream, they they've been there and they've been sort of living it with us. And, and I just think they've done a brilliant job. But um, with all all of that respect to them, I, I just hope I'm never ever listening to them again. Watching a game from Loftus Road, I just can't <laughs> wait to get back. Hey, Bradley, if you haven't got an RZM, Bradley, I want you to do one thing for me. Tell me your favourite QPR memory when you were playing and your RZM, if you don't mind. Favourite QPR memory? Oh, there'd be too many, Finn. Really? Really? Yeah, because I, I I sincerely cherish those times and 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 that era that, that that I spent at the club, the the wonderful players that I played alongside, the camaraderie that we had. I have to thank, you know, my former uh, QPR colleague. You know, a couple of years ago, Andy Sinton uh, kindly enabled me to be, be inducted into the QPR Hall of Fame, and you know that was a really proud moment for me. 
Uh, and I have Amazing. to thank Andy, you know, enormously for that. Considering compared to some of the QPR greats, I didn't really uh, fulfil my potential in terms of more appearances with some of the injuries that I had. But but I think my RZ would be from those times, those wonderful people, the coaches, the managers that, that I played with, those words of wisdom, the experiences that I had. I'd like to think, Finn, now, having coached now for, for 18 years or so, working with young players and being the developer that I am, the learning that I got from those times, I can now share and impart on the on the next generation and and, and, and the young guys that I've, I've been working with. And, and you know, I, I, I take, you know, real, real pride in that, you know, a lot of, lot of pride in that. And, and if I can and have a, a, a small impact on, on these young players of the future and their, and, and their up and coming careers. Um, so that's, that's a lovely thing though. I mean, it's nice to see someone who's played the game go back and give something back to youngsters, to be fair, because there's so many people you hear that, that finish the game and they, they're, they're kind of wasted. And it's, it's a shame. And it's, it's, it's so nice to, to see people. Hopefully one day we'll see you back coaching at QPR, Bradley, in, in but, some but respect. Finn, you know, the, the likes of Frank Sibley, Don oh, Howbury, yeah. Jerry Francis, you know, they, these were, they, they, these are QPR legends. You know, Don how was amazing. And, I don't and, think Don and, and the impact they had on on the club in in different eras should should not be underestimated. Don Howe was an amazing coach, absolutely amazing. Never got the credit he deserved. In fact, the Jerry side, well, you know this better than me because you were there, Bradley. That Jerry side really was down to Don Howe as much as it was down to Jerry to develop it further. Don Howe put the, the work into that team as well, and he never. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he got the credit he deserved, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah until it was too late. My R's end is quite simple, and that is, I'm not upset that we lost the other night, which is amazing for me because I'm quite like us all and passionate and everything else. Because I can see where we're going, and there's always a thought it was terrible, it was awful, we don't want to go through it. But it'd be nice to see Derby go down, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just from an unbiased point of view, of like I'm thinking of teams that would then see relegate it. Derby going down, be quite interesting. I wouldn't mind that. Be bigger division for League One, be marvellous. And um, I'm just, I'm, I, I think I've got to this stage now. I don't know what you guys are thinking, but I've got to this stage where I just want to get back in the ground. You know, I, I moaned about it for years. We needed to do this and we needed to do that. We need to paint it, we need to invest it, we need to put better coffee things in and, and stuff like that there and better bars. But I just want to get back to my seat. You know, I just want to sit down in that seat again. See that beautiful pitch, see the hoops live and just feel it again because I've missed it so much. So I'm never, ever going to whinge again, ever, well, for a week. It's on record. Well, we'll give it a go. I just wonder how long it will be before somebody shows behind me. You're all crap. That's it. And one of the funniest things I've ever seen was at the end of the season, someone throwing a season ticket on the pitch and saying, that's it, I've had enough. And I'm thinking, well, mate, you've got to get a new one next season. That doesn't really matter. It's probably the worst protest ever, but it will I, be I nice. think the biggest shock that we'll, that Rangers fans will experience when we do finally get back to the ground is they may have forgotten just how little leg room we've all got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those two games that we were allowed in, um, I was unlucky enough to get a ticket for both in the ballot. <laughs> and I was utterly, I couldn't believe it. There was less leg room in South Africa Road 
than there is in the upper loft. And I thought that was impossible. <laughs> Do you know what? The funny thing about that is I ended up with school end, you no know, for the second game. I've never set the school end in my life for obvious reasons. I'm not an away fan. Why would I? I'm too young to be there when they moved it, when they were developing it. It's a complete, it's like it's a completely different ground from different angles. I always thought the Elsley was a different angle, do you know what I mean? But the way end is is weird. And yes, they've got as little leg room as we have. It's weird. But you know what saying that I'd rather have a no leg room off this road than some of these horrible new stadiums which are just built on Lego. No names mentioned, but I think one of them's called Brentford, which we may see next season, but they all look the flipping same. Right, we're gonna go on to predictions for Saturday. Sean, what do you reckon? Early kickoff. <laughs> It's got, yeah, uh, mate, it's, it's got to be a bounce back for me. Um, Dykes on form. I'm going to... Um, really? To, um, to um, Rangers. I'm doing it. Putting it out there. Okay. On record. <laughs> well, I put on my accumulator the other day, I put Charlie Austin to score the first goal. So that shows you what I flipping know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Peter. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Mr Warnock wins the tactical battle. And oh, it's no. two defeats on the bounce for us. Do you think so? Oh. Yep. Oh, okay. Should have gone to you last, really. Tom? Oh, I think the, the most QPR outcome possible after 3-1-4-1-3-1-3-nil is um, a nil-nil draw. Ah, uh, you took it out of me. You, you stole <laughs> it. You stole it. Bradley, come on. Come up with something really outrageous. Are you covering the match, Saturday, Bradley? Are you doing a London game? Uh, no, I'm not on this weekend. Not not working this weekend. I, That's I a, would, outrageous. I think, I'm gonna, I think Middlesbrough can't, can't get in. Probably miss out now on, on playoff opportunity. Uh, away win. I'm going to go 1-0 QPR. Bradley, when you're not on the radio, who do we write to you could play him? Because you're very good. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I mean, you can buy me a pint afterwards down the pub. You know, it, oh, oh, I look oh, forward oh, to that. You're a good man. I actually think we're going to win 3 0 Saturday, and I've no idea why. Because Millsburg got enough to play for, and we had a bad result, so why the hell not? That's where I'm going with that one. By the way, I've got to thank Patrick Loftus, who paid for the drinks for this virtual podcast. So if we were in a virtual pub now, we'd all be raising the glass to Patrick Loftus because he's paid for it. So thank you, Patrick. That's very kind of you. Right. So does anyone want to say anything before we end this podcast, which I've absolutely ruined by keeping you waiting for 10 minutes because I didn't know what the hell I was doing, which nobody knows about because I haven't mentioned it. I can't wait to see us all running down the Axbridge Road. Singing. Smiles upon our faces. Oh, I can imagine. Do you know what? I will say, sorry, before you go, it's really funny. Someone put up, <laughs> do you, does anyone remember that programme, Boys from the Bush? That was the Australian QPR fan. I've got a story about that, which involves a daughter in it, but I won't say it because it's a podcast. But I took her to a QPR game. We played Millwall because she was in Norton Hill. And I knew her for quite a while. We got drunk together quite a few times. And um, we bumped into t- Tim Healy on the way to the ground. I don't know why I brought that up, because someone put it up on YouTube today. But there's a great scene where he's in the Crown and Scepter singing Waltz and Matilda. If you look it up, it's very good. And well done to Annie for posting that up. So... Listen, Sean, thank you so much for coming on. You've been an absolutely outrageously brilliant debut on the podcast and good luck with the career in, in whatever form. And hopefully when you get down to Rangers, we can have a meet-up and have a pint and have a chat. And um, Or Southampton, if, if, if they go down, hopefully soon. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. So, um, You're yeah. all right. Tom, 
thank you for your very busy schedule to fit some time in for this humble podcast. We do appreciate it. You're a good man. Always a pleasure. Thank you, mate. And I look forward to seeing your hat down Rangers again because I love your hats. <laughs> I'll, have, I'll um, have a new one for you, mate. You go. Bradley, do you know what? You're always a gentleman and an absolute pleasure to come on the podcast. I hopefully we'll get you on again soon because you you absolutely and don't ever underplay your role at QPR. You were flipping brilliant when you played for us. Huge, huge respect as a player, what you've done for QPR. Kind words, Finn. It's Thank true. You, my friend. Thank you. Cheers, guys. No way, Peter. I'm definitely coming down to have that thunder where you're five and a half miles or whatever it is. And I can talk to you about the Irish League for the last three miles, which will probably kill you. 15 miles a day, buddy. A million steps in May. Please um, have a Google of it and donate oh. a penny or three. What's the address again, Peter, for anyone who wants to donate to it? Uh, PeterBlexley.com. B-L-E-K-S-L-E-Y. PeterBlexley.com and all the links will be on there. Brilliant. Hopefully see all you guys down the ranges one day soon. And thank you for coming on the podcast. And thank you guys for listening so much. And keep the faith. We are QPR. Thank you. QPR. We are